Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. When you come to a pedestrian crosswalk in many parts of the Bay Area and push the button to cross, you're likely to hear this sound. One Bay Curious listener describes it as a machine gun sound and wants to know why San Francisco's crosswalks don't use the chirping sound that you might have heard elsewhere. This week on Bay Curious, we're tuning into the sounds of our urban environment and learning about their purpose. I'm Olivia Allen Price. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Wait. Our listener may think that sounds like a machine gun, but it's officially called the rapid tick. It's part of an accessible pedestrian signal, or APS for short. And that rapid tick is one of a few cues that help blind or visually impaired people know when the walk sign is on at a crosswalk. We are on the south side of Market Street, and you can really tell that because there goes a trolley car. I met up with Frank Welty to get a quick demonstration. I work as a senior Braille and accessible media specialist here at the Lighthouse for the Blind and Visually Impaired in San Francisco, California. We meet outside a Civic Center BART entrance, across the street from UN Plaza. So now I'm walking up to the crosswalk here, and you'll hear the locator tone. That's the slower beeping sound that helps Frank find the crosswalk button. And I'm positioning myself so that the uh, signal is right here to my right, and I'm going to push the uh, button. And the other cool thing about the signal is that 
for people who are deafblind, the button vibrates when it's activated. Frank lingers his hand on the crosswalk button to feel that vibration. We've got the signal, so we're going to cross. Because you notice that, that, that machine gun sound, which is the signal that it's time to walk. It also, at least in me, instills a certain sense of urgency. Like, That's okay, right. it's Let's time go. to go. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And now we're almost across the street. And I can hear the locator tone for the other signal across the way. And here we are. We're now Same on the sidewalk cross. at UN Plaza. One other cool thing that Frank showed me, if you press the crosswalk button for a few seconds, the ones in San Francisco are programmed to tell you where you are. Wait to cross market mid-block at UN Plaza. Wait. So that helps us know what these sounds are for. But why that rapid tick? Or as our question asker called it, that machine gun sound. Because there had been complaints about the cuckoos and chirps. This is Gene Lozano. He's a retired rehabilitation counselor from California State University, Sacramento. He's been involved in transportation accessibility for decades. One was that uh, people got confused or felt that they needed to know the orientation of a cuckoo and chirp. Cuckoo sounded for the north-south direction of travel, and chirps were for east-west. And people who were blind or had low vision thought that they had to know the compass direction of an intersection. And so that was caused some confusion, and people got intimidated by that. The other thing was, in some parts of the country, there were uh, reports that some birds, like mockingbirds, were able to replicate that sound, and it could possibly cause a safety issue. In the 80s and early 90s, there was want for a standard sound in the United States to indicate the walk light was illuminated. Research was done into what the most effective sounds were. The investigators looked around the world and found that in places like Australia and New Zealand, they had this rapid ticket sound. They studied it along with a variety of different sounds, and the rapid tick came out on top. It helped blind and visually impaired pedestrians make faster, more accurate decisions. A verbal announcement can also be used if the speakers are too close together for someone to differentiate which direction that rapid tick is sounding for. Both sounds are now part of the federal and state guidelines. Personally, I'd like the cuckoos and chirps. But looking at the data, I realized, you know, we need to address the needs of everyone, not just myself or a handful of people. If you're out and about elsewhere and hear that chirping sound, it's probably an older system that hasn't been updated. For this next story, we're going to move inside. Can you think of a building that you like, not because of how it looks, but because of how it sounds? Next up, we're going to meet an Oakland-based architect who prioritizes sound. Sam Harnett of The World According to Sound has the story. Chris Downey loves the soundscape this building creates. So, nothing special, right? Just some general bustling. What's remarkable is that in just about a hundred feet, this building takes you from nature to a lively market and into the hubbub of the city. If 
you hadn't guessed it yet, this is the Ferry Building in San Francisco. Chris Downey pays a lot of attention to sound and space. He's been an architect for 30 years, but he thinks about acoustics more than most architects. Ten years ago, he abruptly went blind. It was a spontaneous thing as a consequence of surgery to remove a brain tumor. Downey lost all of his sight. And then, you know, all of a sudden you're like, okay, now what? Like most architects, Downey says he'd been most concerned about what the spaces he designed looked like. I felt like I was dealing too exclusively with the visual. Now he pays more attention to how buildings sound and how it feels to be in them. Downey helped design the Lighthouse for the Blind and Visually Impaired, a nonprofit community center in San Francisco. This is the reception area. Downey wanted it to sound lively. You know, if you're thinking about somebody that comes here for their first time, they just lost their sight, silence can be really scary when you're a little anxious and you don't know what's going on around you. If something doesn't make sound, Downey says it disappears for a blind person. So to make the reception area active, he suggested an open design, polished concrete floors, and wood instead of carpet on the staircase. That way you can hear people coming and going. Maybe people you can identify by their sound. When you're blind, you start to recognize how people walk in their cane taps, and so you can recognize the sounds down the hallway as somebody else passing by. Down the hall from the reception area are quiet study nooks. Panels on the hallway muffle the sound as you walk toward the nooks. Downey calls this feature an acoustic mitt. Listen to the ambient sound deaden as he walks with his cane from the reception desk to the study rooms. We're only about 20 feet from the lively reception area. There's no door, but the nook is nearly silent. A building's acoustics is important for the sighted, too, even if they don't realize it. Poor sound design can make anyone disoriented, feel anxious, or struggle to have a conversation. Done well, it can encourage people to come together and talk. A well-sound-designed building makes you want to be in the space, and you may find yourself even actively listening to it. Which brings us back to the Ferry Building in San Francisco. It's Chris Downey's favorite way to enter the city. I just love it. And then boom, there you are. You're on Embarcadero on the Market Street and you're in the heart of San Francisco. That story comes to us from Chris Hoff and Sam Harnett of the World According to Sound podcast. They're partnering with the Lighthouse for the Blind and Visually Impaired in San Francisco to help us reimagine California in the rich way blind people experience it every day. The project has additional support from California Humanities. Thanks to our question asker this week, Annika Klein was the researcher for today's episode. Thanks also to Frank Welty and the staff at Lighthouse. My colleagues here at KQED are working on a big project, and we need your help. 
For decades, California had some of the most secretive laws around police misconduct in the entire country. We were one of three states that kept internal investigation records sealed. But that all changed last year. Now the public has access to files that give us a clear picture of how police investigate themselves. That includes use of force reviews. What do you want to know about police misconduct and how it's investigated? Tell us at kqed.org slash police survey. Bay Curious is made in San Francisco at KQED. I'm Olivia Allen Price. Have a great week. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey there, it's Olivia Allen Price, host of Bay Curious, the podcast. KQED Podcasts wants to thank listeners like you, whose support makes this podcast possible. If you want to help us continue to make great content, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. And thanks.